Once again, dear listeners, you're listening to Ludbridge Local Radio, and this is Late Night Ludbridge. Tales of terror to chill the blood and thrill the soul. Joining you as ever is your humble guide, expert in the arcane and eldritch, yours truly, John Spine. It's still just about the 2nd of January 1989. The time is 11.30pm. Tonight, I'm afraid I have some bad news. Following the success of last night's The Music of Eric Zan, I had hoped to hit the ground running this evening with another of Lovecraft's famous stories, Pickman's Model. Unfortunately, shortly before going live this evening, I was pulled aside by my producers, who gave me some rather rum news indeed. It appears that my broadcast of the story last night put LLR in breach of copyright with the Lovecraft estate, and has now put the station in a bit of a legal jam. I've been advised to avoid further readings of any kind for the time being, whilst myself and the station work through this unfortunate situation. Now, I must apologise to all of you who are hoping, like myself, for yet more of Lovecraft's masterful generation of atmosphere this evening, but I promise you I am doing everything I can to rescue Late Night Ludbridge now that our format has been flung into jeopardy. In the meantime, I thought perhaps it would be a good idea to read some letters written by you, our wonderful listeners, here on air. I've always wanted to make room for a segment like this, but most of the time the length of the stories we recount here are sadly too long to accommodate such a thing. Now, I must stress, of course, that despite this, I always make the effort to read everything you send to our P.O. box here at LLR. Nothing makes me smile more than seeing your wonderful kind words and feedback. All of it helps me to make this show what it is. It's also just nice to know you're all out there. One can lose track of the outside world being cooped up here in the studio for so many hours a night. Perhaps tonight's will bring us all together in a similar sort of sentiment. Yes, tonight we temporarily depart from chilling the soul and instead double our efforts on warming its very cockles. Now let us begin with letter number one, before I descend fully into the realms of saccharine hyperbole. Ah, our first letter comes from long-time fan of the show, Elena Hoggett, joined by, as I'm sure it's safe to assume, her constant feline companion, Lester. Now, let's see here. Oh, dated from today, no less. My, my, Elena, you speedy thing. Okay. Dear John, Happy New Year! I wanted to let you know how thrilled myself and Lester, that's my cat, were with your rendition of the music of Eric Zan last night. I marched straight down to the station and delivered this letter myself. The weather was marvellous on my little walk down. It barely rained at all. Still, nonetheless, I brought my brolly, if only for Lester's, that's my cat's, sake. But I'm getting off topic. Marvellous work with your first story of the year, John. I simply cannot wait to hear what tonight will bring. I hope that despite you keeping those of us less keen on bombastic New Year's celebrations company in the wee hours, you manage to have some celebrations of your own. It's only fair that you have some reward for all the work you do, and I'd hate to think of you spending this leisurely period labouring like a dog. Thank you again for all you do for all of us, not least myself and Lester. That's my cat. Your show brings us as much joy as it does frights. I've even started making a few recordings of my own, of my favourite instalments. I do hope this is all right. I just like revisiting the classics, that's all. Lots of love and a happy new year. Elena Hoggett Oh, P.S. Shall we see you at tomorrow's town hall meeting, by the way? It would be good to see you there. Having such an important local figure making an appearance would be so appreciated by us little folk, I just know it would. 
hopefully see you there. Well, Elena, thank you so much for writing in. I always enjoy reading your letters, as I do all you listeners. I'm glad you and Lester enjoyed the music of Eric Zan last night. Such a spine-chiller, isn't it? One wonders what our unfortunate protagonists must have seen from that window in that isolated French garret room all those years ago. Space illimitable. Ooh, it's enough to make you shudder. I must then apologise once again for tonight's unfortunate news regarding the future of the show, but, of course, to reiterate, our legal troubles shall not stop me from delivering the late-night thrills you've come to expect from me. Always darkest before the light, and let me tell you, Elena, and all of the rest of you back home, dear listeners, that the light is most certainly on its way. As for my New Year's plans, well, that's uh, very sweet of you to be so concerned about me, Elena, but you really oughtn't worry. Me getting the chance to read to you all night after night is celebration enough for me. I don't want for much, apart from good literature, good company, and a nice warm mug of cocoa. Perhaps with a few marshmallows. Or even more than just the marshmallows, if you catch my drift. <laughs> uh, and I, I jest, of course. We, we do like our fun here. <clears throat> uh, uh, where was I? Uh, uh, yes, uh, the town hall meeting. Now, I'm afraid I'm unable to comment either way on that, Elena. I hope you'll understand if I say I like to keep Late Night Ludbridge a politics-free zone. This show is all about ghouls and spectres. Ideal in the arcane, the antediluvian, and most importantly, ideal in entertainment. Let's best off leave the realms of town hall meetings and the like to Kevin and the rest of the club folk at the LLR FM news team, shall we? I must say, though, Elena, reading your letter out on air like this has given me the shadow of an idea. Perhaps I've found a way to save this show sooner than I expected. I'll let it percolate a bit. I don't want to go rushing into a decision like this. I owe it to the show, and more importantly, you listeners, to consider any format-shifting ideas with the utmost poise and care. But enough rambling. More letters. Ah, let's see here... Oh, another one from Elena here. Sorry, Elena. Must keep things fair. Can't have the limelight all the time. Um, Elena. Elena. Elena again. Blimey. How on earth do you find the time? Not that I wish to sound rude, of course. Uh, uh, oh, this one's signed as being from Lester. Well, this has got to be good, hasn't it? <clears throat> Dear John. Meow, 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 um, meow, meow, it's, um, meow, it's, uh, it's two full A4 sides of meowing, right, yes, no, very, very creative, uh, Elena, or rather, Lester, of course, very good, very, very good, um, Okay, moving on. Let's see. Uh, uh, Elena again. Sensing a theme here. Uh, Elena. Elena. I mean, surely there's there's got to be at least one other. Um, I'm not sure what's gone on here, really, but there seems to have been some backlog of letters. All from Elena. I suppose I haven't been completely honest, perhaps. In truth, dear listeners, I, it may have been a little while since I last checked the P.O. box. I don't want this to dishearten any of you, especially you, dear Elena. I meant what I said about reading everything sent in to us. I'm afraid it's just... Especially towards the end of last year, my mind has been... Such a fog. Um, it's odd. I've been a bit 
all over the place, and realised quite how cluttered things had gotten. This shan't happen again, I promise. In the meantime, all I ask is that, having thrown myself on your collective mercy, you, my dear, dear listeners, do me a kindness and forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me. <laughs> now, surely there's a letter here. Ah, got one. Right near the bottom. How sneaky. Well, uh, I certainly hope it's for me. Can't seem to see any name on the envelope. Blank as a sheet fit for a ghost. I do hope this isn't some mistake. There's almost something quite sinister about this. A blank envelope. Well, <laughs> let's not be silly. It's only a bit of paper. Bon voyage. <clears throat> Dear John, I hope this gets to you on time. Things have been a touch hectic on my end. It's been a while, John, and I thought, seeing as New Year's is so close, perhaps it's time for me to make a few resolutions. Namely, sorting stuff out between us. I'm hoping I've managed to get the ball rolling by now, but if you've heard naught else from me, then let this letter show that the thought is most certainly there. I've been listening to your show every now and then. You always did have a good voice for reading. The thing that always makes me curious, though, is how none of the stuff you read seems to faze you. You spend your nights cooped up in a dim studio bringing monsters to life, and yet you always seem so composed. Must be a superpower or something. You're unshakable. What scares you, John? Must go now. We'll post this soon. Hope you see this. Here's to new beginnings. Well, this is certainly strange. Doesn't seem to be any signature at the bottom here. Nor on the back. Somewhat of a conundrum. I really can't think who this might be from. I've nobody massively estranged in my life, dear listeners, apart from a distant uncle, but this doesn't seem like him. Perhaps this is some sort of prank? Though I'm not sure what the punchline is supposed to be. The only mild humour I can even begin to glean from this is the letter calling me unshakable. <laughs> Clearly whoever wrote this must not know me quite as well as they think. Still, a question is a question, and I shall do my best to answer. As off the wall as this all seems... What scares me? What scares me? Well, it used to be the standard sort of affair. When I was younger, I used to have terrible nightmares about being chased down hallways by various creatures of the night. I was largely to blame for these nightmares. I had exposed myself to various classic horror literature and film from an early age, and had developed a morbid fascination with the genre by the time I was around eight or nine. One of the earliest pieces of horror I ever read was Frankenstein, which I'm somewhat embarrassed to admit, kept me awake for weeks. Every night I'd close my eyes to visions of the creature's misshapen hand grasping at me from an operating table. You may remember, listeners, Frankenstein was one of the first stories I ever read here on Late Night Bloodbridge. I suppose that sort of signifies where I am now with the monsters in my life. As I kept on reading and watching, they became more and more familiar to me. I'd almost have called them friends, and maybe they were. I spent so much time with these classic monsters, Dracula, the mummy, the creature from the Black Lagoon. They became a comfort. And still are, I suppose. Perhaps that's why I do this show. Why so many of us enjoy spooky stories of ghouls and things that go bump in the night. They're tangible. Emaciated hands to hold. For there are scarier things out there than monsters. I was briefly on the BBC... 
Some of you might even remember. A few years back, before this show, they reached out and asked me to do a small programme for one of their local stations. I could scarcely believe my luck. Little old me at the BBC. The programme didn't do very well, sadly, and was axed fairly quickly. I was told there was no hard feelings about it all. The listeners just weren't ready yet. That was all. Instead, they'd reach out to me if any future opportunities came up. I was pretty pleased with this, all things considered. It was a no, but not a no that said goodbye forever, but one that said, one day there will be a place at the table for you again. So I went on with my life. Started working here at LLR again in the meantime. And weeks passed. Then those weeks became months. No phone call ever came. So one day I decided on a whim to ring them up. What harm could there be in checking in, I thought. After all, it's been about a month or two now. It's not like I'm being overly desperate about things. Just checking in. That was all I was doing. Just checking in. I've been getting on with my life and I just wanted to see how things were coming along. So I ring them up and I tell them my name and that I did a small programme with the Shropshire team a few months ago. There was a brief pause and the man on the other end of the phone asked me for my name again. I repeated myself, and then he put me on hold. For four and a half minutes. Approximately. I didn't count. There I was. Just me and a garbled bit of classical music. It sounded like it was coming from very far away, down a long metal tube. It could have been coming from deep space. I was like an astronaut, picking up signals from distant galaxies that had long since come to dust. It was the longest four and a half minutes of my life. Approximately. I didn't count. All of a sudden, the man was back. There must have been some kind of regime change at the BBC after I left. Some changing of the guard, I thought, because the man told me he'd asked around and nobody had any idea who I was. I asked if he was sure. Then I asked who he asked. He said he was quite sure even brought up the names of a few of the folks that I'd been lucky enough to work with all those months ago. I said there must be some mistake. He assured me there wasn't. Then he hung up. My nightmares are a bit different now than when I was young. No more monsters, no. No more cramped hallways. Not much of anything, really. I can scarcely remember the last dream or nightmare I had. The latest one, I think, was that I was walking through a field at night. There was no wind, and the stars were out. I walked for a while and then stopped. I'm not sure why. The spot just felt significant. And I just remember looking up at the stars, looking up at them twinkling there, so far away, with me down below, so small and alone. I remember looking up at that glittering faraway sky and knowing in my soul with utter certainty that I was the only man on earth, that everyone else had gone, moved on, maybe up there to the stars, maybe somewhere else. And I had been left there in the endless quiet 
I can't remember how long ago that was now. Long enough. Now when I go to sleep there's just nothing. No monsters. Not even empty starlit fields. Just a hole where dreams should be. Darkness. Infinite, rolling darkness. Forever. Like static. I hope that answers your question. Oh, um, oh, well, oh, I'm sorry, um, do bear with me, um, oh, God, it's everywhere, hang on, um, one moment, oh, all right, all right, all right, blimey, <laughs> sorry about that, dear listeners, don't know what came over me there, just a minor hiccup, I suppose, I do like to get carried away, don't I, I'm not sure, uh, I don't... I think perhaps we should avoid questions that are too open like that in the future. Lest I bore you all to tears. Stick to what you're good at. Eh, John? Speaking of which, uh, I think that idea you inspired has finally finished percolating, Elena. I think I may have our solution to the future of late-night Ludbridge. I believe that our salvation could lie with all of you, dear listeners. As I was reading Elena's letter out, I got to thinking how exciting it might be if we made writing in part of the show. But instead of your average letter, you'd write in your very own spooky stories for me to read out live on air. How's that for an idea, eh? It's a no-brainer, I'm sure you'll agree. This way, I'll always be on top of the P.O. box, and we'll all get to feel closer at the same time. Not only that, but Ludbridge is a town steeped in its own history and mythology. I'm sure all of you have a story to tell about a supernatural encounter or two. I can't believe I never thought of this sooner, frankly. There's no time to waste. The future of Late Night Ludbridge lies in your hands, listeners. Write in to our P.O. Box at 99 Whitaker Avenue, Ludbridge, SY80RM. That's SY80RM. How exciting! I can't wait to see what you all come up with. We're going to take a brief advertisement break now, but we'll be back shortly afterwards. Here's to a hair-raising future, Ludbridge. Here's to new beginnings. <laughs> 